When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Binging the fuck out of shit. That's right, binge boys, binging the F out of S. I'm Hal Rudnick. Across from me is Lon Harris. And right now, it is just past 420 on the date 420. Lon, are you you all lit? Are you all blazed up, Lon? Oh, yeah. Hi. That's the thing. That's the main thing I like to do when I get really, really high podcast. That's the most fun. If you, I recommend eat. Uh, way too many edibles. Yes. Then crank up GarageBand and get the podcast started because people are going to want to hear those insights. For you aspiring podcasters out there, for you junior podcasters out there, that that's the Lon Harris uh, School of Podcasting Success. Yeah, step one is to do a thing, uh, a, do a drug that's going to make you come up with a lot of things that are only funny to you. That's really, yes. honestly, that's kind of the whole Binge Boys philosophy in a nutshell. That's half my MO. It's like, should we make an entire show that is exclusively going to be funny for us and completely baffling to everyone who is not us? Uh, yes, I think that that's really what we're capturing here. Uh, yeah, Lon, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to lie. I, I put, I put on just a little bit too much CBD lotion and my circulation <laughs> is feeling Lord. too much CBD and I am feeling loose as a goose, my friend. CBD lotion. So you, yes. that's for like muscle pain. You have muscle pain? Uh, sure. I have, I get oh, muscle wow. and nerve pain sometimes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know. I'm sorry. I like you said. Sure, like everyone does, and it's like, well, I'm not in muscle pain such that it requires marijuana lotion, oh, cannabis I mean, lotion, I should say. No, I don't. I don't like marijuana. Oh, is not a good. I do. Thing. Look, I, I have it right here. Uh, the, see oh, the little marijuana leaf. I'm showing lawn to the camera. I do. But it's uh, yeah. I, it it's not uh an intense and regular thing, but I do have like a little bit of a nerve issue that uh that irks me now and again. Oh, well, so, and CBD works well. It works okay. It works okay. And I sent some to my mom, and she's got some neuropathy, and she loves it. It was great. But she won't try it. I would love to get my mother to try a little uh, sometime, a little a little bit of the good stuff. So many people of, of, of our generation have that experience. Uh, you know, they're trying to get their parents to, like, loosen up and try, you know, this will make you feel better. This is like, my, my parents always loved drugs. Like, I oh. it was never, it was like, I wasn't raised or like, hey, you know, like, them teaching me how to, like, shoot junk or anything. It was always uh-huh. like, don't do, don't do dangerous needle or up-your-nose drugs. But, like, there was always just this general attitude about, like, yeah. You know, like if uh, listen, if the doctor wants to give you a little something for it, kid, don't say no. You know what I mean? Uh, don't say no. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. 
Uh, Don't come around uh, Grandpa's uh, cough syrup after 10 p.m., kiddo. You know. <laughs> my my dad's drug of choice were uh, the blackjack tables of Atlantic City. Yeah. No, I mean, listen. Uh, also love gambling. Yeah. I don't mean to. I don't mean to limit but, my parents to just one. Vote. Oh, sure. No, that's not true. And, my mom, not really much of it. My mom, not much of a gambler. Right. Drinker for sure. Mm-hmm. Drugs occasionally. Uh, my, my dad. Yeah, yeah, we'll 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 meet you at the tables. And my uncle, basically a, a, a almost a professional gambler at this. Oh point. yeah, no, that's what that's my dad. Uh, he was a professional gambler for a little while. I mean, he's like retired, and he owns some real estate, but he's mostly on cruise ships at the tables. At this I think point. there's um, like a memorial wing at um, like Resorts International Casino in Atlantic City dedicated to my dad. Give me the year span. Eighties, the eighties, probably like eighty-two to oh, yeah. uh, like ninety-four. So there, there were there were at least five or six summers where your father was gambling your family's nest egg away. Yes, in a casino on the boardwalk, while a young Lon Harris and his family cavorted on the beach just below. Oh, like, I might we, have been we walking within, by. Did you ever go to that Oceans, the Oceans One Mall? Sure. Oh yeah, of course. We were we were practically neighbors. That's wild. I don't I don't think we ever made this specific connection before. That yeah. you spent a lot of time in that in that area in Atlantic City specifically. We lived in Ventnor. We were just down the street in Ventnor. That's in uh, PA or Jersey. Jersey. This is right. Gotcha. This is right next to Atlanta. We would walk from Ventnor, New Jersey. Oh wow. To, like, we lived right off of Baton Rouge. Like, it's all the Monopoly board. Like, oh, we, yes. all those streets were our streets. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we would, like, walk down is... uh, yeah, Baton Rouge to go to the boardwalk, and then there we were right there. You have tuned in for the Binge Boys Walk Ventnor Down Memory Avenue. Lane I mean, edition. that's Ventnor yes, Avenue that, right that there. That is. That, that is Monopoly so board It's stuff. a yellow. It's a yellow property. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I mean, next you're going to tell me that you summered in Marvin Gardens. Well, it's also right. It's just another city that's right oh, there. Oh, okay, I was just there back you there. go. I just went back there a few years ago. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, as a kid, one more thing, and then we'll get to binging in news, I promise. Sure. As a kid, because I spent summers, my grandparents had a place right there in Ventnor, New Jersey. Uh, and so we would go spend all summer there, me, my mom, and my brother. My dad would kind of come back and forth because he had his job in Philadelphia, but he would come out for weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought everybody's hometown had Monopoly from their oh. area. Like, I thought Monopoly was just the, the, this was just the South Jersey Monopoly, and if you summered in Northern California or whatever, like, you had your own. I didn't realize until we, I was like 10 years old and we moved to California, and it was like, wait, you guys are playing, why are you guys playing Jersey Monopoly? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, And then they had understand. to set you straight. Yeah, but, but like, nowadays, no, no idiot. Everybody plays with your local version of Monopoly. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen this. There are so many offshoots and specific well, monopolies. Well, sure. Now they do, but that was it. This was the dark ages, folks. This was the oh yeah. This was the the eighties where there was like no. Now we're in a golden age. Of oh, the, no, oh, monopoly you want versions? You want a custom Monopoly? Look at the big man. Oh, Gen yeah. Z needs everything. Yeah, uh, now customized. you'll have like. You know, a, a Paris-based Monopoly or like a, <laughs> well, a Star yeah. Wars-themed Monopoly. Yeah, there you or, go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I actually um, bought it or, or I was given to me as a gift, never used it. And I ended up throwing away, throwing it away when I moved an NHL-based Monopoly. I guess you buy like 
stadiums. I guess you buy stadiums and then you move the Zamboni or a puck or something. Uh, I don't know. But I opened the thing. I lost some pieces. So I'm like, screw this. I don't need this anymore. It's not a it's not a one to one. You know, like you could take another city and just be like, well, pick the big streets from this city. And now it's now it's this city. But like. An NHL franchise, it just doesn't, it, it, the metaphor doesn't work the same. But the for Boardwalk and Park Place, you'd have some of the original six NHL teams, which would probably be the most valuable. I've already lost interest in this conversation. Uh, <laughs> That's well, all it took was the digging into the NHL. That's what it took. For, if you're keeping track at home... That's what it takes to bore me, is bring up professional hockey and I'll, listen, I'll zone Ron, out. Lon, you are the Wayne Gretzky of streaming. Let's oh. jump into it. Da -da 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 the news with Lon. I, I feel like I'm more the Mario Lemieux. Of oh, there you go. There you go. That's a good poll. Yeah. Biggest story in streaming of the week. It's really, it's a big news story. Rarely does our big Binge Boys news story launch into the realm of actual news. But I think we've, we've gotten there this week. Uh, Netflix shares are down nearly 40% today. Today is Wednesday oh, when we're no. talking about this. So the their earnings report came out on Tuesday, their Q1 earnings report. It's bad, Hal. The platform lost a net 200,000 subscribers in Q1. That's the first time they've had a loss overall for a quarter in a decade. 2011 Ouchie. was the last time. Uh, and it's worth noting, this includes the 700,000 Russian subscribers that they dropped when they were like, screw you, Putin, we're out. So they would have probably had a positive net subscriber oh. total. If not, they lost those 7,000. No Russian doll for the Russians. No Russian doll for the Russians. And they ended up in a 200,000 subscriber hole. Uh, they're also projecting that they're going to keep losing more subscribers in the next quarter. Things aren't necessarily looking up. They blamed yeah. a bunch of different things. The, the Russia stuff, they blamed... Increased competition, obviously, from new rivals. Uh, mm -hmm. And they blame password sharing, which they said mm -hmm. is an increasing issue. And if you read between the lines of what co-CEO Reed Hastings has been saying, it sounds like they're they're thinking about how they can crack down on password sharing without really driving a mass exodus from Netflix. So no, no confirmed news about what's happening there, but if you share your Netflix account with a bunch of people who don't live with you, you, you may not be able to do that forever. It's looking grim. Uh-oh. The other big news to come out of this is Hastings said that they are probably going to follow the lead of a lot of other streamers. We know Disney Plus is also on the verge of doing this. They're going to offer a lower-cost, ad-supported tier for people who are looking to save money. I mean, I think one element we do have to sort of fold in here that's part of this story yes. is that inflation is killing people's pocketbooks around the world and a lot of people are looking to cut back and streaming is one of those everyday kitchen table household expenses that's going to get pulled back in, in tough economic times oh yeah i'll tell you this lon i i was uh, out and about the other day and i got mugged and I was giving the report to the cops and he said, all right, can, I, can you give me a description? And I said, hey, right over there, pump number seven. Okay. Wait, how? So, hey, how? hang on. Did, did, you, did, you get, did you really get mugged the other day? You didn't tell me about this. Where, where, oh, where, no. What happened? See, see th this was just an example of very hilarious humor. 
Oh, so you, so you, so you. I was you lying. I did lied. a lie. You lied I about did a that. lie, and it was because of gas prices. I was very concerned. I mean, I was over here. I was like, oh my God, Hal was the victim of a violent crime, and he didn't. It was very absurd humor. Oh, okay. I, I feel better. About now. the gas prices. Oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It was not only you would be a victim of, of a car, but you, you felt like you couldn't come to me. That was what was so upsetting. Lon, you, you'd be my first call. Okay, okay. If, if pump number seven had really victimized you, I'd want to hear about it, you know. Thank you. Thank you, Lon. All right, all right. Uh, so anyway, be on the lookout. You, you, you may be able to offset some of your household expenses by getting a cheaper Netflix plan, but you watch a, watch a bunch of ads. Oh, yeah, they're going to bring ads. Potentially. They're, right. They're a lower-cost plan, but you would watch a few commercials in between your Bridgerton episodes or probably, you know, like, I'm assuming it would be like what HBO Max, what Hulu, what uh, Disney Plus is soon going to start doing. It's, it's not a full ad experience like you'd get on network TV or basic right. cable. It's like a dusting of ads. It's like four minutes of ads per hour, maybe, or something like this, just to to compensate the streaming companies enough to allow them to offer this lower cost service without breaking the bank. A dusting of ads. A dusting, a, a dusting of ads. Sprinkling. Well, and as as we know, this is a huge ad market that's growing. A lot of advertisers are really desperate to get into the streaming marketplace. And you could think of, I mean, you know, Netflix has some very high profile shows. I think this is a telling detail. Like I was talking about this and I, I, I've been saying for years that I think eventually it's going to catch up to Netflix that they don't have the IP library that their competitors can fall back on. If you're, if you're HBO Max, especially now, you've got mm -hmm. the... The, the Warner Brothers archive, you've got all the IP that's owned by DC, Warner, and now you have Discovery. And if mm -hmm. you're Disney, I mean, obviously we all know Disney, Marvel, you've got Pixar, you've got all the Disney cartoons Star and all that Wars. legacy. Star Wars. I mean, these are the players that, that Netflix is uh, aligned against. Amazon has been buying up every big franchise that they can grab, all these mm -hmm. novels, all these fantasy adaptations. Everybody's playing to win deep pockets. You know, Apple obviously is coming with very, very strong original programming. They're mm -hmm. taking Emmys and Oscars and, you know, they're buying their Coda. way in. Coda, Ted Lasso, Severance, mm -hmm. uh, even, but I mean, like, Slow Horses, Pachinko. They're coming out with tons of strong stuff. So, I mean, when mm -hmm. you look at that marketplace and your Netflix, it's like, well, they definitely are having successes with Shonda Rhimes. You've got mm -hmm. your Bridgertons and your Inventing Annas and that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of people got back to me with Stranger Things, although I would caution only two seasons left of Stranger Things. Those kids are aging mm -hmm. out. Who knows if a Stranger Things spinoff is going to recapture the magic? I feel like it's already kind of lost some of its zing. momentum. Yeah. Lo had been a long time since the last Stranger Things season. I don't know. Yeah. I, th I feel like we've talked about this, but yeah, it's, it's just that the nostalgia aspect, the retro 80s aspect. Right. Like, and a lot of other people have done that now. Yeah, like a, it takes the bloom off the rose when right. you have like Wonder Woman 84 and, like and Fear it, Street and Ghostbusters and yeah, and yeah Fear Street. And, yeah. Uh, and, and then The Crown, a lot of people got back to The Crown. Again, wrapping up, not that much time left. And yeah, they're going to try to do a Queen Victoria show maybe, but mm -hmm. who knows if it'll recapture the magic. And the Witcher was another one, but I feel like that's a little bit more niche already. You, you love The Witcher song. I like The Witcher. I'm a big Witcher fan. 
You uh, like but, throwing a coin to the Witcher. I enjoy. I'll occasionally throw a coin at your Witcher, uh, Valley of Plenty. But no, I, but I mean, I still feel like already when you're talking about the Witcher, I think you're moving down a tier in terms of the mm-hmm. amount, the level of passionate global interest. And I mean, Squid Game, but stuff like that's still largely a one-off. And yes. and I, you know, I, I, that's my number one concern. And and, and I think a thing a lot of people were raising with me that I didn't even think of at first is Netflix's, they become infamous for canceling shows in their prime. Like they don't necessarily let these shows play out like they would if they were on another network or TV. They're like after two or three seasons, even if they're beloved and popular, you're done. And like a lot of people got back to me with specific shows they're still sour about. Like obviously Mindhunter, People were really attached to that one. Dark yeah. Crystal being canceled after just one season. Sense8 being canceled, you know, when they had oh, so many yeah. more huge plans. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening now can think of an example or two from their own. BoJack, the guy wanted to come back and do more. Uh, you know, and these are these are great shows. These are Emmy-nominated winning shows. What was the one that we both really liked about the video? Ta- the guy Archive eighty one just Archive got canceled 81. after yeah. just one season. And I that's mean, that's one of my favorite things we watched uh, over the past uh, several months. Wow. So that yeah, like so I think that's not only the experience of that has left a sour taste in people's mouth generally, but I think mm-hmm. that they've kind of trained their own audience. Don't get too attached to Netflix shows. They don't last. They're never going to get to finish their story. Just like Netflix shows are like binge disposable trash. And mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, then you have three or four services and you're going to choose to keep two and get rid of two. I feel like the one you're going to pick is the very expensive one. Yeah. It's mostly disposable trash. And and one more thing I'll put in everybody's mind while I'm being sour on the fate of Netflix. Yes. Bear in mind, too, that 2023... 2024 through 2025, what's happening? A lot of these licensing deals that Netflix is relying on for their libraries start to expire. And those media companies, especially now that they smell blood in the water, they're going to want to hold on to all of those properties to put them on their own services rather than re-upping with Netflix. So if Netflix is your favorite destination for classic archive library shows that aren't Netflix originals... They may be not on Netflix forever anyway. Like a bunch yeah. of people wrote to me and they're like, well, Netflix is where I watch Shit's Creek. But like that might not be on Netflix. They don't own Shit's mm-hmm. Creek. That's not a Netflix show. That's a Viacom show. What What's the magic bullet for Netflix here, Lon? I mean, uh, to me, I feel like they're in a they're in a pickle because they've yeah. got. They've, they've got limited time left here. And what they really need are these like essential franchise like Disney Plus. Immediately, if I'm like, what if you cancel Disney Plus? You you understand the, the value add or loss. It's like, yes. well, I wouldn't get to keep up with the Marvel shows. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't get to keep up with the Star Wars shows and, and right. new content there. Like, And, you know, depending on what you like. Like, oh, well, I'd miss out on the Disney archive of I love to watch the old animated Disney films. Or mm-hmm. I really enjoy, like, you know, I, I'm really breezing through DuckTales and Amphibia and all these cartoons or whatever. I, you know, mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, Netflix is is too. Uh, it's amorphous. It's like, what are you hanging on to Netflix for? Like, there are 
subgenres of things. Like I like a lot of the South Korean shows and a lot of the international shows. I would miss that stuff if I didn't have Netflix anymore. And like, you know, like there's a lot of those original movies that I watch and check out, especially around Oscar season. I'm glad I get to see the Netflix shows. I loved Power of the Dog last year. Absolutely. They've had a good track record of um, every once in a while, a good sketch comedy or a good. Yeah, well, obviously, I think you on. should leave is is an anchor. Auntie Donna's House of Fun is a another. Yeah, um, solid but I think one. that to me, I think you should leave is actually a great example of what I'm talking about. Like they need more mm-hmm. of those. They need more mm-hmm. Silver Bullet. If I drop Netflix, I wouldn't. And I feel like Witcher is probably the best ongoing example because they're franchising it out. There was already this animated prequel. They're doing a live action prequel series, Blood Origin. They've got plans and they're franchising The Witcher and it's not just going to be this disposable thing that's gone next year. And I think they need they need like 15 more of those ASAP and they need a lot fewer like Emily in Paris, which I get is like a short-term benefit. A lot of people put eyes on Emily and Paris, mm-hmm. but the moment it's done, they're hate watching it. And the moment yeah. it's done, they're never thinking about it again until the next season goes up and they're hate watching it again. And like that, I don't think is adding enough value for people to keep Netflix around. Sure. Sure. I think that's uh, like background. That's like Netflix has to make itself more vital than that. That's a silly thing. When you're the only game in town, you can get away with that. Well, what about this as a potential uh, fix uh, to create some sort of boon for Netflix? None of these streaming services that you mentioned offer uh, any triple X fare. Uh, well, there are a lot of services that offer that. We just that's a different show. I feel like but we could oh. do the, we could do a Pornhub uh, X hamster uh, event. Well, I mean, what what a special what if episode that- dedicated just to the latest stuff on. Um, what a red tube would be another one of those? Yes, but or what? But what if Netflix got in the game, and they I mean, said scroll down for the the nudiest nudes? So you, you just like all cuties, just the home. The how wants a home oh, page? Oh no, no, but no, 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 no! I, I want to <laughs> I want to keep it all all um people of legal legal age. <laughs> Um, yeah. that, that's how I prefer just listen, my news. Just good, just good clean porn. Just, just good what, clean porn. All. Just one or more consenting adults. Well, we do. I mean, they have uh, Ana de Armas is in that Marilyn Monroe movie Blonde that Andrew Dominic directed. It's coming out next oh, year. Oh, yes. NC-17, uh, NC-17, baby. All right. I, I say that is Netflix. That is your path. You, you follow that path. Today, NC-17. Tomorrow, Triple X rated, just the hardcore, the horniest hardcore horn dogs. What's the difference between what what can you do in Triple X that you can't do in NC seventeen? Like, is there what's the line? Glass bottom boat. You can't. You could go on a glass bottom boat in an NC seventeen movie. Uh, I was thinking it'd be like like anal, like not glass bottom boat. <laughs> I don't know where glass bottom boats came in. You mean like filming from below the bottom of the boat up into the boat at people doing it on the boat? Glass bottom boat is a term. Oh, and I was I, ju- I was just making a joke, but Oh, uh, I don't know what that means. I don't know that term. Every once in a while you'll I, I I'm sorry for taking us down this road by the you way. You have to unpack it now. I don't know. I don't know. Every once in a while you'll hear a rumor like some celebrity. Let's take let's pick someone awful. Like is it Steven the under Seagal. is it the under the glass table and the person yes, above under the okay. glass table? All right. And it's, it's like, we've heard yeah, it. We've I'm all heard pay. this under different names. We've all heard this under. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm gonna pay a sex worker to come over. Yeah. And, it's, uh, uh, right. It's the old, the old, the old poop on and, the table and squat on the table yeah, okay. while I lay under there All and right. just, ooh, what a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> That's the I'm, only thing I'm that you Steven can't Seagal. do in NC17. Yeah, I'm Steven Seagal and. Uh, I like to pay. This is all alleged. I'm not. I'm not. No, this is. I, oh, I thought you would press play on a recording. I thought this was. I thought we were hearing surveillance hey. footage. Yeah. Can you send a girl over to who who uh, hasn't gone to the bathroom yet today? <laughs> <laughs> just vile. All right, pull up, pull up. Let's just move vile. on. Oh this my just god! Disgusting. I don't like. I don't like your suggestion. Netflix, if you're Cake listening. Farts. Cake farts. What's that? That should be the new front page of Netflix, just the cake farts video. Oh, yeah. Cake farts. You remember uh, cake farts, folks. I do, actually. Cake farts, cupcake sharts, whatever yeah. you want. Netflix, just, get just in that Ladies biz. in their underwear farting on cakes. There you go. I wonder if that website still exists. Don't look it up. Don't Google it. Uh, again, sorry to uh, take us down that road, everybody. Next sorry, news item. Sorry. Uh, well, well, more bad news for the streaming market. Hopefully no, there's still Lon. enough streaming around for us to keep doing the show because things are not looking good. Oh, Ron. Uh, Axios reports that uh, CNN Plus has signed up about 150,000 people to date. Uh, mm -hmm. WB Discovery, their newly merged and reformed parent company, lost faith in it entirely, slashing no. their external marketing plans. Uh, the CFO, Brad Ferrer, got fired. He's been no. replaced by his Discovery counterpart. Here's here's what's happened. Okay. You know how when you are at work and somebody comes up with a big idea and they're like, they're so proud and it's their idea, it's their baby, and then yes. they and then they leave the company. Oh, they the other get day we were, in a, we were in a meeting and Phil came up with this idea when we were sitting around the board. Don't patronize me. You don't. I'm work. I'm just trying to role play and get into the thing. Yeah. Oh, never Phil had, had a real grand job in idea. Your life. Uh, I used to be in the corporate world. What was what was your job in the corporate? World? I I did HR, corporate training, all sorts of wow. stuff. Wow. I was like oh, a junior corporate exec. training, really? Yes. This was oh. uh, this was like twenty years ago. That sounds my. Was that brutal? Was that just mind numbing? Ch corporate training. Like it was not my job of choice. Because it's to me like the worst part of a job. The worst part of a job is the part where you like have to read all the documents. But I'll tell like, you what, the, the one thing oh, that was no good about Oh, no sexually harass anybody. Like, I, I, yes, uh, I, we uh, had to do that. I mean, like, look, it's uh, don't sexually harass anybody. I agree with the message. But yes. like, if you're the kind of person who's gonna be doing some sexual harassing, you're exactly also the kind of person that's going to be not paying attention when the HR guy is like, hey, don't do sexual harassing. Yeah, it was a soul-stealing job, soul-sucking job. But I had a friend who I worked with. We'd cover for each other if someone had to, like, you know, like, go do something. And then also, uh, it. Th this is, like, in all honesty, it was nice to be helping people who had just gotten a job. And it's like, hey... Go out there, do a good job. You're here so you can pay your bills and whatnot. So that wasn't. But at the end of the day, yeah, I'm glad to be the hell out of there. All corporate job. Like I worked at a few big companies in my in my life briefly because I always would end up like getting an anxiety attack and quitting. It's just like oh, not yeah. the environment for me. But I feel like the like one of the parts that would have bothered me the most would just be that. But like you, you put a very positive spin on it. You can't keep this beast behind a desk. 
Yeah, no, I just like I it was no, it was just like I'm lazy and like I don't I can't I can't like climb a ladder and like I, I just like I no, I don't I I'm I'm out. I'm sorry, guys. Yep. I can't. Oh, 100%. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'm going to write oh. jokes about movies. Anyway, so what I was saying is in that sort of work environment yes. when the person who was pushing the big project through is gone, everybody who it's not theirs, they have no ownership stake in it. They've got their own ideas. Suddenly it's nobody's baby and everybody hates it and wants to murder the baby. And I think that's where Ooh. we're in a that's the situation we're in right now. Jeff Zucker, the departed CNN executive who was uh dating his own director of communications or yes. what have you. He was the guy that was like the CNN plus guy. Like it was his vision and his baby and he was the big cheerleader. And I think mm -hmm. now that he's not there, no, nobody wants to own this. And now that it's not doing well, it's doubly toxic. And Discovery is just eager to get rid of it and move on and oh, do something man. else. Well, Lon, d d doggone it. Because how often do you hear me say, Papa needs this plus? Boom. I've never heard you say that, but... Well, I know you're a big fan of uh, Stanley Tucci touring Italy. Oh, and this what? is the only place to stream that right now. If you need to see your Tucci, your Tucci in Tuscany, uh, Papa needs his Tucci. Papa needs his Tucci. If you need some Tuscan Tucci, there's no other place to go. I will say that that's the under. I don't the, the the like live. Hey, we got that guy with the glasses and Scott Galloway doing a show. Like, I don't think there's a lot of appeal there. Yeah, for me personally, I mm -hmm. will say this: the archive of CNN films and like Anthony Bourdain episodes and like all that stuff. Like that, I'm sure I could find stuff to watch on there. What about uh, what about Dana Dana Bash? No. No, 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 don't care about any of that. Is it, it's Donna Bash, isn't it? Donna, Dana. I think it's Donna, Donna Bash, or Dana Bot. It's Donna Bash. Donna, it, it's spelled Dana. It's spelled like pronounced. Dana, but she pronounces it Donna. Oh, and you know who I like uh, at uh, CNN? Jim Acosta. I like that guy. Because he used to, um, he used to ask tough this. questions to Trump. And um, uh, I don't watch this crap. I don't think anybody should watch cable news. It's not news. It's not. It's got nothing to do with well, real. Yeah, it's it's mostly opinion um, shaped news story. Yeah, talking head opinion. At this point, it just feels like I don't. I don't know. When I watch cable news, I don't feel like it has anything to do with the real things that are happening that I read about when I read like a good variety. Like what you should do is read a variety of news sources. Yeah. Both domestic and international. That's the real key. Don't read nothing from inside the U.S. The New York Times, L.A. Times, whatever your local paper is, Washington Post, read, read Wall Street Journal, read any, any or all of those, but but complement it with BBC, with uh, with Al Jazeera, with with some with some quality international sources. So you're New York get Times, broad. Well, I said New York Times, yeah. But like, yeah. you got you want to get a broad view, even even a UK paper, not a tabloid, but like. I'm of two minds regarding CNN real quick. Let me just give give my opinion. I, I feel like, yes, it's all packaged and uh, and it's it's definitely slanted left, obviously. And it, I, don't, I don't agree and, with that. But anyway, uh, it's it's left of center. It's left of center. But it's the very issue isn't that center. it's biased. It's not far it's left. It's not. I'm not saying it's like super progressive. No, it's, it's definitely like, centrist. I don't but no, know. Like, but the one thing I want to say is uh I just want to take issue with the term. We're get wow, uh, binge boy is getting political here for a second. Well, it's but, about CNN. Listen, 
what I will say is the term fake news. A lot of people say, oh, CNN does fake news. They make up these news. That is such bullshit. I feel like people need to remember that fake news is a term that Trump started using in order to malign the press. And that was straight out of like the authoritarian playbook handbook. Um, I, I'm fa- not saying fake new- yeah. the news on CNN, like when they're looking into the camera, they're like, uh, breaking news, there's a fire. Like, that's not fake. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying right. they report things that aren't true. I'm saying nine times out of ten, when you turn on cable news, any of these shows, they're yes. not doing that. They're not looking into the camera and they're saying, there, there was fighting today in this city, and here's what happened. Like, it's not that. It's people talking heads, shouting, and yeah. they're talking about things that aren't really the things that matter or aren't really the underlying story that uh, it's just entertainment it's just nonsense it's just that's what i'm saying it's not that the it's not that the the it's data conjecture it, but it and it but it's it's even based on false premises and false, based on a here's like i'll give you a one, a very quick example and i don't okay. mean to get too political but to me a big thing that's happening in america right now yes. is that uh, the a, a, a big chunk of the country and a big part of the political apparatus, like basically one entire political party, half the country's politicians and government uh, are attempting to push through a very regressive human rights agenda. And they're doing it by uh, calling Democrats pedophiles. And yes. And abusing terms like groomer and all this stuff. And like, we can't talk about the fact that this is a like authoritarian fascist white nationalist movement Mm -hmm. that has collected behind this strategy. That's a clearly laid out strategy that's being employed by a bunch of members of our own government. That's not palatable. That's not how they want to broach the story. So we make it about like ticky tack things or distracting things or this bill or that bill or this mm-hmm. horse race or that election or that thing. And it's like, we can't talk about the, the real story that's happening. And like, that's why I think, you know, there's so much like misinformation. And like, it's not that CNN is the mouthpiece of this misinformation. It's a vacuum. And they're allowing that vacuum to be filled by misinformation. Like, this mm. is why the, I think, even if you don't really know what's going on, everybody can sense the vapidity of the conversations on, and I think all of them, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News. I mean, uh, Fox News is more uh, disgusting and bigoted, and like, I I could use a lot of other adjectives, but they're all, I think everybody- Tucker Carlson is a white nationalist. Right, but I think everybody can sense that they are, all of them, not reality. Like, this is not a reflection of the real argument that's going on. These are the talking points back and forth, and these are the these are the rhetorical strategies being laid out. These aren't the real arguments, and that's why people turn to these disgusting, awful places to fill in that void. And those places are just happy to troll and misinform and spread vile conjecture instead of real information. That's what I think is going. For on. more political discourse, <laughs> check out our Patreon. Uh... There you go. We could we could keep talking about this because I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of boogeymen created. There's a lot of echo like, chambers. Like carbon like, capture. Like with, if you, you know, go to the, if you go to the if you, if you go if you go to CNN or MSNBC, a lot of times it's uh, it's it's chum in the waters for uh, liberals. Um, if you go to Fox News, it's obviously chum in the water for conservatives. Right. Real real, real quick. Yeah. Uh, 
carbon capture. You know what I mean when I say carbon capture technology? It's a, it's a thing you hear all the time. For the environment? Right. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is so fucking important. Yeah. <laughs> carbon capture technology is the idea that instead of stopping emissions, we could keep factories running and emit carbon into the atmosphere. And it just instead of letting it go up to the atmosphere, we would have like a machine and a system that captures the carbon as mm -hmm. it comes out. And then drives it underground and stores it underground. So it doesn't ever go into the atmosphere. It doesn't cause the greenhouse effect. It doesn't right. make the climate warmer. We don't have to worry about it. The problem is it doesn't work. The, in order to make the process function, in order to get the carbon emissions underground where we need to store them, you require so much energy that you have to build a whole energy plant that emits its own carbon. And so it's like, it, it's not a solution. But we keep pumping billions of dollars into it every year because it's a great, uh, you know, slush fund, I don't know. But like, it's a great, uh, it's a great thing to promote and it's a good sound bite and it sounds like you're right. doing something good for the environment. But really all you're saying is we're going to keep doing the emissions thing and like maybe one day we'll figure out this technology that will make it not bad anymore and and like cable news is how our government and and i don't want to make this liberal versus conservative or, or democrat republican sure. this is how our government gets away with it like this is how all of our leadership get away with all of the things that they do and democrats do some shady shit too it's it's uh and they all get away with it because cable news doesn't really talk about real things. Like, they mention carbon capture technology, but they don't explain what it is, so everybody's walking around thinking they kind of vaguely understand it. But And I'm not blaming you, Hal. I'm not singling you out. I didn't know what it was until recently. I looked it up right. for a video I was writing. Right. No, oftentimes you're not coming away more informed. You're coming away more angry about exactly. what you were already That's exactly it. About. It's just yeah. like Twitter. And I don't think you should get all your news from Twitter either for the same reason that it's a system designed to rile you up, not I to inform you. I will disagree. You. I will disagree there. I found exactly what I was looking for. I saw all the best dressed celebs from Coachella on my Instagram yeah, feed. Vanessa Hudgens killed it. Oh, it, man, always. what a perfect throwback look that was. That's true, actually. I did see Vanessa Hudgens' Coachella look, and uh, she looked very true. Oh, just an angel. I wouldn't listen to her uh, COVID mitigation strategies, but on fashion, she's on point, folks. Listen. Oh, you got and it. the greatest actress of her generation. Let's move oh, on. Oh, yes. <laughs> NBA legend Jerry West. We love, we love Jerry West here on the program. Friend of the show. They call Friend him the logo. The Do you know why he's, he's called the, the logo? Because he's the NBA logo, the outline. His silhouette. They His said it. They say it the in. They say it in winning times. So that's how I knew it. But, uh, but I did. I did know. Very good. Uh, anyway, speaking of winning time, the HBO drama series about the Lakers been recently renewed. A big hit. I, I find oh, that's that's a conversation stirring show. I know a lot of people who've been following and getting really into winning time. Uh, mm -hmm. Not not NBA legend Jerry West. He has no. hired a team of uh, high priced attorneys, and they sent a apology. They, they sent a letter to HBO, to uh, producer Adam McKay, and to ESPN, so we'd all hear about it. Uh, they're demanding an apology and retraction from the show's producers uh, for, quote, falsely and cruelly depicting Jerry West as an out-of-control, intoxicated rageaholic. Their words, not mine. Uh, um, the there was one more statement from Jerry West. Here, I have it right here in front of me. It, it, uh, it stated, winning time, uh, they, they did 
accuse me or por- and portray me of being a very angry man, and that is far from the truth. If they don't retract it, I will go down to their production offices and smash through their window and throw a table through a goddamn glass sculpture, and I will destroy that place and burn it to the ground. Wow. That's just... I feel like he did himself a disservice with how angry he got. Jerry West Lawyers just started writing a very strongly worded letter to Hal and myself. Going to demand an apology and retraction (laughs) from Binge Boys for this cruel and false depiction. Allegedly, Uh, allegedly. That was was from the files of Steven Seagal's glass bottom. Listen, all I'm saying, if you take one thing away from today's show... (laughs) It's that Jerry West loves a good glass bottom boat. Here's what I'm saying. The statement goes on to say that West had nothing but love for the Lakers organization and its owner, Dr. Jerry Buss, played on Winning Time by John C. Riley. Former Laker Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also spoke out against Winning Time and its depiction of West. He called it facile exploitation and said that the whole show is populated by cruel stick figure characters. Oh, my goodness. Strong words for HBO's winning time. Oh, boy. Uh, Kareem, a recent guest star on FX's Dave. So we're getting some real insight into his viewing habits uh, this season. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, Kareem, one of the stars of uh, the great comedy Airplane. Yes. Depicted, depicted in the show Winning Time. We saw, we saw a clip of him uh, on set as Roger Murdoch, the co-pilot. Roger, Roger. There, there you go, Jerry West. Not, have you kept up? I have not kept up with Winning Time. I lost. No, it. no, but uh, I, I, it's on my list of things to watch. So many shows, so little time long. Yeah, I, I, I gave up on that one. I couldn't. Mm, I just... People want to know what suffering we, it really is. It's, 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 it's being a binge boy. Too many shows, man. Too many shows. You know what? We we watch so you don't have to. I'm going to let everybody in the, who's listening right now judge me. I gave up on winning time. I have stuck with uh, Paramount Plus's Halo. Oh, see, I haven't even embarked. Insight into Lon's, uh, Lon's taste right there. Enjoying okay. the hell out of this Halo program. Good. There you go. F the haters. Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. I'm not emotionally attached to Halo lore at all. I really didn't know. I know the game. I played the, the Halo games. Where sure. You, you, you jump around corners and you, you, you shoot the little, the little dart, the little, the little purple dart things at the guys. Master but, uh, Chief. You're Master Chief, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, apparently there's a lot of lore. The show is throwing out the window and doing totally its own thing. A lot of fans are upset. Doesn't bother me at all. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ABC renewed The Goldbergs for a 10th season. My goodness. Ooh, time flies. It, uh, they recently did their 200th episode, Hal. It's now the longest-running live-action network comedy on TV. Whoa, son of a gun. So uh, so are we going to have uh, the, the CGI uh, Jeff Garland? No. Um, Garland out. Set? Garland out. No more Garland. And then they, what, they, they created something to do his voice as well. So it was like, I'm proud of you, son. Like one <laughs> like, line every- my vagina. <laughs> that's, that's all. They only have a recording of him saying the word vagina. So that's the only thing that the CGI Garland could say. Which is weird because that's like why he got fired for screaming like, oh, that I on set. Oh, I hurt my vagina. Okay, now I can do comedy. Now I can process. do comedy. Yeah, that's his process. 
Sorry, I love Jack. I think he's hilarious. I don't know. Oh, I don't. I, I don't know if I want to back him on this one. I. I, I, enjoy, I enjoy him. Uh, I enjoy immensely. the comedy of Jeff Garland. I don't. I don't know. He's probably guilty of all this stuff. If he, yeah, if people are being offended by what you're doing, seems like he's probably a dick. You know, perhaps, perhaps. Ah, hurt my vagina. See, it just—he didn't. He. It was. Here's the thing. He he made it sound like he was gonna have a good argument, and then his argument was literally like, "I can't be funny unless I'm allowed to just yell the word vagina." And like, well, that's not a good argument. Oh, yeah. that No, uh, I mean. should come back when you got something, Jeff. Like, I don't know what you want me to do with that. Like, just don't. If people, if there's, if there's multiple HR investigations into you yelling vagina, people aren't enjoying it and you should stop. Like, what? Listen, the Supreme Court ruled you can't yell vagina in a crowded movie theater. I think you can. Oh, you no, can? I think I think you can't yell theater in a crowded vagina. I think is what the ruling oh. actually was. Yeah. I'll see myself out. <laughs> uh, I, I heard I heard I heard Steven Seagal like to pay <laughs> to be able Folks. to uh, do that very thing. You uh, you like the Goldbergs sound? You enjoy the Goldbergs program? Okay, anyway, um, <laughs> that's enough of that. Who gives a shit? Uh, Netflix picked up the global rights to The Man from Toronto, a Sony action comedy. This stars Kevin Hart as an everyday New Yorker. He's Ooh. mistaken for a deadly international assassin. Ain't when he that checks what in, always happens? He checks into the wrong Airbnb. You see, there's a naming mix-up, and the guy was supposed to go there. Is the uh, do you want to do it? I I think I told you before the show who plays the assassin. That would be uh, Woody Harrelson plays the assassin. Ah, yes. An odd autobiographical link as his father, uh, noted hitman. Oh. Mm-hmm. You knew that, mm-hmm. right? I'm not telling you that. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard that before. We've I've all heard, heard about about uh, Woody Harrelson's father, the contract killer. Uh, Woody Harrelson now uh, taking on the mantle himself in only a fictional. Well, he was a, a contract killer. He's, he's played a contract killer before. I guess he, you're right. Like, uh, what was no it? No country, country for old men. Oh, yeah, no country yeah. for old men. He's a contract killer. You're right. Uh, anyway, this film was going to open in theaters on August 12th, but Netflix has purchased it. You know, they've got that ongoing agreement with Sony. Like, basically, Sony, before they release the movies in theaters, they run them by Netflix. Like, Netflix, you want to you wanna throw us uh, you wanna throw us some cash on this one? Money on the barrel head? And then they don't have to, you know, spend all the money to market it and all that stuff. They could just sell it to Netflix. Sony moves on. Netflix has products, you know? Speaking of which, uh, we were talking about, you know, Netflix getting in bed with franchises and everything. Uh, right, but the problem for Netflix is yeah, this is a... Yeah, that's a one-off, but, like, we, we didn't mention anything about Knives Out. They're, they're deep into right. the Knives well, Out that, biz. They're, right, they, and that's what they have to do. That's that's a great point. I'm glad you brought up Knives Out and, and Sony in that connection because if you think about it, well, yeah, Sony's going to bring their movies to Netflix and say, hey, Netflix, you want to buy this before it goes to theaters. But they're not going to do that with the franchise stuff. They didn't bring Ghostbusters to Netflix and say, you want to buy this. They won't bring Men in Black to Netflix. They wouldn't bring Spider-Man to Netflix. They're only going to bring stuff like The Man from Toronto that's maybe not franchise friendly or that it's a wait and see. Like, that Netflix kind of ends up with the the runoff. And that's that's the problem. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why... The Knives Out deal, it was a lot of money they had to spend, but it probably in the in the back end might be worth it because now that whole franchise is theirs. Like, if Knives Out goes to seven movies, they're all on Netflix. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, a great point. I, I, yes. Anyway, 
Uh, so, the, yeah, the man from Toronto. My concern, it sounds a little red notice international, kind of funny, some action, international, right, right. globetrotting adventure. We'll mm-hmm. see. Hopefully it leans into one of its many genres and 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 picks its spot and finds a good funny tone and 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 it works. I'm 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 holding out hope. I like uh I like the idea of Kevin way. Hart, Woody Harrelson together. I could I could see that being funny. I'm rooting Absolutely. I'm rooting for those guys. I'm Absolutely. rooting for those Absolutely. Kevin Hart, uh very very nice to my mother when we interviewed uh, him and Ice Cube for Ride Along too. I'll also add. Well, well look at that. Uh, sweet. Yeah. Now I'll tell you the flip side. That was my defense. Maybe it won't be a red notice. Okay. If you want to hear the maybe it will be a red notice side. Uh-oh. It comes from director Patrick Hughes. You know him from the Hitman's Bodyguard and the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Not Oh, sure. Wouldn't be my first choice. But here we are. You know, the, the, he's a competent comedy action director. If you say so. Uh, last news story here, how, and not a moment too soon, because we have been just little chatterbugs Oh, today. just jibber-jabbering away, um, giving all of our political points yeah, of view boy, and talking about man. Steven Seagal's glass-bottom boat. No one cares, guys. According to Bloomberg, Apple's The Problem with Jon Stewart has failed to find a consistent audience throughout its Ooh. first season. According to Samba TV data... This is not none of this is conclusive. We're 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 all kind of guesstimating. Bear that in mind with all this stuff, folks. Uh, but according to this data from this third-party company, Samba TV, 180,000 U.S. homes tuned in to check out the first John Stewart episode during mm-hmm. his first week. But that's only 40,000 U.S. homes by the time you hit episode five. So it seems like it kind of lacks staying power. Uh, Parrot Analytics, another one of these third-party companies, they rank the problem as the eighth most in-demand U.S. talk show, and that's going by everything from trailer views to social media mentions and all sorts of other little whatever uh-huh. they can throw in that stew to give you a good a, a sample of, like, what are people talking about on the Internet? They have it way down the list after Kimmel, after Fallon, after Colbert, and probably most painfully, Stuart lower than both John Oliver and Trevor Noah, the protégés. Oh, no. The kids. Oh. You know, the, this is the, the moment when the kids surpass the, the you know, the, yes, the, 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 the student uh, surpasses the teacher. The master, yes. Uh, well, what, what are you going to do? They, they've uh, they, they've established their brands. Uh, Tre- Trevor Noah, like, t- took the reins of John Stewart's show. John Oliver, there's some always damn good writing on that show. Very... Uh, incisive. Some people saying that John Oliver doesn't practice what he preaches. I don't know. Uh, you heard that? Uh, well, is uh, he rationale. Being, being accused of something, John Oliver? Uh, I uh, heard this. Oh, just of like you know sounding the alarm bells, but in this personal life, being like you know bougie or whatever. Which I don't, I don't care about that. I don't I care. Don't, yeah. Whatever. People keep trying to get me to be upset about that. It's like what we, like yeah, we we live in this shitty capitalist nightmare. Like we don't. We're we're advocating for a, a new kind of uh, society, but it's not. It doesn't exist now. Like, yeah, we maybe we should drop out and do binge boys from yeah, like, off the grid. Long. I mean, we. I'm like, but we're. This is very much a. This is a communist podcast. We we pay for this ourselves. Are you kidding? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is pure bootstrap right here. It's, it is. It is. We're we have no no master. You know, no. Uh, we're not. We're not for fucking sale, man. We're, this is a socialist commune slash podcast. Uh, let me step in here. If anyone would like to sponsor Bin Binge Boys, no, we turn we turn sponsors product, away. 
for, for any away. product, whether um, if, if it's an auto parts store, your Kragans, your your Auto Zones, if you are. No. I'll only accept advertising if it's Praxis. I'm sorry, folks. That's it. I okay, Lon. Then I will do. I will slip the reads. We're in. now an anarchist podcast. I've 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 made it clear. Then I'm gonna have to slip the reads in. So it's gonna have to be like you know what? I thought Pachinko was great, Lon. Also, it got me thinking about the quality of auto parts available to someone at Cragen. Hey, how how does this serve our socialist cause, Hal? How how does how does this uh, convert power back into the workers? Uh, you know what? I'm just trying to feather my own nest here, Lon. Uh, I you're, will you're, you're, sell you're, out to the lowest bidder. You're a disgusting capitalist pig. Uh, anyway, the only major host I do want to throw this in because I I don't yes. like him. The only major host that John Stewart currently beating out, James Corden. When is he? Oh, is it, like, yeah. it's time for him to go home. Like, can we just reach that point where it's like, like Piers Morgan, I think eventually, like, just left and went back to the UK. It's <laughs> like, oh, these Yanks are done with me. Like, well, I feel like we've reached that. It, it, James Corden's just not getting the hint. Like, we're, we're done. Okay. It was a good run. He keeps getting cast and stuff, though. I, I know, but it's he keeps like turning I, up in musicals. I, for and... a long time, it was just me. And everybody else is like, what? He's fucking delightful. And now I feel like the tide has turned, and it's and we're all clearly disgusted by him. You know, and it's just a it's a ticking clock. I mean, when when he's got a he has no choice but to tuck tail and, and run. Do you think if Biden deported Corden, his poll numbers would go up? Certainly among the youth, yes, I think for sure. <laughs> he's really struggling with the youth vote right now, and I think that would only help. The, yeah, yeah uh, oh, of course. I mean, uh, we're the ones who are most impacted by traffic. Uh, you know, like a Cinderella dance-related uh, traffic. <laughs> That's the news. That's it, Hal. All right. You know what? Coming up, the, the unprecedented turn of events. Juan and I went to a movie. We went, we went on a little mandate. We went on a, a guy's night out. We'll talk about it. Juan, Yo. you and I went to the world-famous Grove. In, is, is it world famous, Al? I feel like outside of Los Angeles, nobody knows that exists. Lon, you and I went to the L.A. famous Grove. There you go. I, my favorite thing about the Grove is uh, you can always tell a person who's there for the first time. Because we are all, we've been to the Grove. In L.A., you've, you've been, the, you everybody's to the been to the Grove you a go bunch to the of Grove times. Now. There's the farmer's market right there. But it is fucking bizarre and stupid. Like, everybody has the same reaction the first time you go there, which you think you're just going to a mall. And then you get out of the parking structure and it's made to look like a European city. Like it, yeah. you, you, I don't, it's like, it's, it's got a real Disneyland vibe. Of just like, like it's sister mall, the Americana at Brand. Right, the Americana, they say they're both Rick Caruso, who's running for mayor right now, the, the developer behind both of these monstrosities. I love the Americana. That's my, that's my joint because it's, 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 not as crowded, great place for like late night movies. The Grove, I'll go to if, you know, the the the, the night at I've the been night calls for it. I've been to both many times. Now I'm a little bit more geographically. You're uh, housed convenient. a lot closer to the Grove, and it's not that far for me, so it made sense. But it it's so ridiculous, and you can always tell people who are there for the first time because they're looking around in like stunned disbelief. Like, what is this? Why is it like this? Because they didn't, There's a trolley. They thought they were walking fountains. into a mall, and they're in like New Orleans Square, and like I just—it's mm -hmm. the same facial expression you see every time you go to the Grove. 
because uh, it's it shouldn't be in the middle of Los Angeles. It doesn't belong there. You know what? There are some good little places to eat in there as well. Uh, so we went to the mall. We went Cheesecake to the Pacific... Factory. Listen, folks, I'm not. But here no, to they're the far at the farmers market. There's at the a bunch farmers of market, spots. of course. Yes, uh, that's attached to it. So we went there to see the new Michael Bay joint ambulance at the Pacific Theaters. We are the ambulance. ants. We left our homes. We left our couches. We left our devices. And, Taco, uh, every- Taco is here by himself. Yes, uh, my dogs, my wife. You know I'm a wife guy, but I, I, I said to, I, I said to my wife, I said, may I go to the movies with yeah. my friend? Lon? Well, I was like, hey, Hal, don't bring your fucking wife. <laughs> and Listen, when the cats I want to go see a movie will play, and I can't stand to be near a woman. No, I, I <laughs> Hal's wife was welcome. She just did not want to join. That's yeah, it. no, she's uh, she doesn't go to a ton of movies. I can't imagine yeah. why she wouldn't want to catch uh, Bay's latest salute to drones. <laughs> yes, but, uh, uh, well, uh, while um, risking potential uh, COVID uh, infection. So uh, we saw Michael Bay's new ambulance movie, and you know what? It was more or less what I expected, and that's an, and, and that's a, not a bad thing. I was hoping from the trailer, I thought it looked more or less like the robbery, the the bank robbery scene in Heat meets Speed, and it kind of paid that off. And uh, overall, I would say I liked Ambulance. I got some things that I thought were <laughs> like odd, and definitely some Michael Bayisms. Lon, you let, let's. If you wouldn't mind beginning with this, you mentioned the drones. Uh, sure. I, I actually really loved a lot of the cinematography in this film. I thought it was just like eye candy, kind of dazzling, like really fun camera work uh, for much of the film. Yeah, I I really dug this. I mean, this is exactly the Michael Bay that I want to see. Just, you know, this is just, it's pure Bayhem. Like, obviously some connections to stuff like Speed. Uh, It's similar in in a lot of ways, like Collateral and Heat. It's sort of got elements of both. It felt very Michael Mann-ish to me. It spots almost like a tip of Michael Bay's cap to the great action director, Michael Mann, where it's got some of the same, like, dude melodrama like a man and his duty to his family and like yes. you know like all living on the edge this dual life is like the family man but also the hardened criminal and like i i i found that really appealing how like sort of bay was playing in that that kind of michael man turf in the beginning uh mm-hmm. and i i thought it resonated pretty well but i i think if i had to compare this to one movie overall and and it's yeah. a movie that they reference in this movie yes. it's the rock michael bay's own the rock this feels a little bit to me like the San Francisco chase sequence from The Rock stretched mm. out into its own feature where, you know, like, because, you know, there's that like break in the action where Mason like tries to meet up with his daughter, uh, yeah. Claire Forlani, uh, and then, you know, like Cage has to sort of track her. And then there's like that whole thing. Like, that's what this feels like, like crazy breakneck freeway chase action and then, mm-hmm. like, pause for 15 minutes of, like, character development and, and plot, and then back to the action. And I thought that, you know, he kept the pace up extremely well. And, yeah, he's you, we've seen a lot of, of other movies use drones, but they're almost always used in, like, the same one of a few ways. Like, you get those right. big establishing shots, and you get, like, the, you know, the sort of zoom in or, you know, the impossible, like, from above, and then you come down and zero in on something. But... 
this movie uses drones like in a bunch of really creative ways to get shots that you just kind of sense, even if you don't know a lot about movie cinematography, a, a normal camera wouldn't do this. Like you could mm -hmm. only do this with a drone. And I mean, from everything from these twisty shots going down the sides of buildings and then yes. straightening out and then behind a car, or there's a shot that goes over the top of LA's, uh, I think it's uh, City Hall. Uh, right. And it comes down the other side. And there's one shot that's in the trailer where a car jumps over the drone and the drone goes under the car. Yeah. And like, and, and, and there's another, you know, like the, there's oh, a crash crazy where stuff, helicopters in the yeah, LA river, right? Drones are flying into these car crashes as they happen. Unless you dropped a camera off the top of a building with a perfectly designed bungee cord or something like it, right, was, it was pretty nuts. And yeah, and sometimes and, it really was just stupefying and wild. And it's like, wow. Oh, uh, like it gave me a little like roller coaster vibe there in my tummy. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was after a while, like I felt like, oh, it was a little long. And some of the stuff like the self-referential things like. Michael Bay name checks what two or three different two. Michael There's Bay a scene movies. Where, well, they don't. They don't. Yeah. They, at one point, they refer to themselves as the bad boys. So yes, they go in their bad boys style. And, and then, then uh, another party quotes the bit from The Rock, where it's like the yes, the, 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 the Rock, the prom queen thing. Yeah. I will say, you know, just like funny, like laughable stuff that took you out of the movie a little bit. Um, there was. A Heineken zero alcohol product placement in this film. Yes. That that was as gratuitous and more on the nose as a product placement than that goddamn Doritos scene in Wayne's it's, world. Here's I think the thing is it because it was literally, it was literally, um, it was Isa uh, Isa Gonzalez. Yeah. She l literally was the dialogue from the Heineken Zero commercial. Her her partner in um, EMT work sits down with her at lunch and it's like, whoa, drinking on the job. And she turns the Heineken so he can see the label. And he, and she says, no, it's non-alcoholic. That's exactly the commercial. Yeah. Like it really was very- Here's like, the thing. I think you, I your, your product placement, in order to work, it has to be at least like semi-believable. Like I don't think it can't, it can never work. I just think it's like, we've got to buy that this character in this moment is enjoying this product. Like, that's why, like, like all those The Rock or Ryan Reynolds drinking their own liquor, like, you don't really question it because it's like, I, I, you know what? Ryan Reynolds probably does drink his own friggin' gin. You Roll know? back an aviation gin. Yeah, I, that's Ryan. not a problem for me to believe. But the, to believe that this uh, EMT during her lunch break is drinking a non-alcoholic beer. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't buy it. And then she's like a dick about it instead of obviously being like, oh, it looks like I'm an EMT who gets drunk on the job. I better assure my new partner, yeah. like, no, I it's just non-alcoholic. I just I just like the taste. That's what you would do. Like in that scenario, if you're like, oh my God, are you drinking on the job? You'd be like, oh no, it's just it's not alcoholic. You wouldn't you wouldn't be a dick about it. Yeah, but that's the that's how, what they do in the commercial, right? But that's what I'm saying. Like you gotta you gotta put the product placement in the movie in a way that feels organic, not seamless, or, not seamless. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we haven't yeah. uh, really talked about uh, the actors too much. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal um, was a lot of fun. I enjoy an unhinged Jake Gyllenhaal. Nightcrawler yeah. is one of my favorite underrated films. I think Nightcrawler and Jake Gyllenhaal should have been nominated both for Academy Awards, uh, but. Uh, he he uh, he's he does a nice 
unhinged, like, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. And then shit's hitting the fan. Like, he he does that well, and he was great. Um, and he was counterbalanced. I think he might, like, he was a, a much more subdued uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, nicely uh, counterbalanced uh, by uh, him playing, like, the, uh, the straight man to the crazy guy in this movie. And uh, I, I, I enjoyed uh, their performances. Isa Gonzalez was uh, was solid, and th- and you need those actors to uh, compel you to stay along with this crazy ride that they're on. And then uh, one uh, one more just a, a criticism of it. I never want to hear the dramatic cover version of "All the Leaves Are Brown." Again, in any movie, it's I feel like California Dreamin'. California Dreamin', yes. All the leaves are brown. Yeah. The leaves and are the, brown. Then it goes California Dreamin' on on such a winter's day. They're winter's they're dreaming day. about the sun in California because it's it's miserable and cold work where they are. Al, that's what the, I never I never need. That's to hear what that the song hippies again. are singing about in the song. I, I never need to hear the, the especially the slow uh, cover that they played of it. Uh, yeah, I just never need to hear that song again. I feel like it's so cliche. Uh, but ambulance, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I didn't like the uh, the weird homophobic chatty people that were that we were sitting next to in in the theater. I felt like that was a little homophobic in and of itself. Like there's a there's a whole little subplot in the movie about uh, this guy, like the the sort of the negotiator, the hostage guy, the FBI guy yeah. that they're working with or that's dealing with them, or they're sort of their law enforcement contact while they're on this. In crazy and breakneck adventure in this in this ambulance to take it hostage. He's he's in a gay couple and they're going they're having some problems and they're in couples therapy and we sort of follow that and it is played as kind of a weirdly comic beat. The idea that this guy is he's got this tough guy job but then he's in a gay relationship. Yeah, that is, that is a, a little bit regressive. But, You're wow, absolutely the, right. the family that was sitting next to us found it particularly hilarious. I was just going to say, the uh, the Rock connection I also thought extends to Jake Gyllenhaal. His performance reminds me a lot of that like 90s Nicolas Cage in an action movie vibe, where it's like, it's just a guy having fun. He's really going for it. He's making this character a lot bigger and larger than life because the movie's bigger and larger than life. So why not populate it with characters who are large alive? I shared on Twitter today that clip of the two of them singing Christopher Cross's Sailing in yes. the Ambulance. That's mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot about this, I think, where it's like, that's what I feel like movies are missing. Like, they become, they become by the numbers. They become generic. We get a lot of the same beats and the same tropes. And, and when yes. a movie has texture, when there's stuff in it like that that's not there for any particular reason, that's not it, – it, it doesn't even really tell you that much about character. It's just texture. It's just part of this world, and it's who these guys are. Yes, and it speaks a fun, to idiosyncratic – Yep. But in an idiosyncratic way that doesn't need to be explained. Like, it doesn't need to be unpacked. It's not a reference. It w- well, it literally is a reference. Well, to, it's a saw. A it's a needle drop. But it's it's not it's not an elbow you in the gut like, ah, oh, like, that's a thing Jake Gyllenhaal listens to in this other movie. It's just there to be there. And this movie has a few of those moments. Like, uh, there's a very funny moment uh, when they're getting ready for this. Oh, might I add? poorly planned bank robbery a very poorly planned well bank yeah but robbery. that's part of the idea like you know he trusts he trusts jake gyllenhaal because he's his brother not because he's like a good criminal 
but one of the bank robbers is wearing Birkenstocks and like they're they're just uh, having they have a lot of fun being like, who 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 goes to a bank robbery wearing sandals? And uh, it was just a very fun moment. So overall, worth checking out. Absolutely. It's a fun ride. Um, it's a, I, th- I thought it was a little overlong. I'm like, OK, I get it. I get it. I know how it's going to end. And yep, that's how it ended. Uh, but it's it's a. Uh, and and it's a little you know schmaltzy of course, but overall, I mean, wh- what do you want? It's Michael Bay, but it, this is good Michael Bay. This is fun action. It it uh it, it keeps you more or less on the edge of the seat for uh, the entire uh, entirety of the. Film. And that's not comfortable, folks. So it's not. It's, it's not. Uh, maybe don't go see it. Is all I'm saying. Ambulance in theaters and. Maybe we'll let you know if and when it comes to streaming. Speaking of major motion pictures that are now available on streaming, Matt Reeves, The Batman. The, the Batman, not just Batman. I said The the Batman. No, I know, but you didn't emphasize it enough. The Batman. Let me, let me clarify that. T-H-E space B-A-T-M-A-N. Yeah, is Megan on. the Batman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Megan the ba- Megan the Batman. Yeah. Two oh, weeks. yes. Uh, oh, she changed her name. <laughs> no, no. It's like she should be the next Batman. Is what I'm saying. A- absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just hot girl shit. Bat- being Batman is hot girl shit. That counts. I'm just doing hot girl shit. Being Batman. Yeah, being Batman. <laughs> Living in a cave. Hot girl shit. The Batman is live. That's my least now. favorite line for the whole movie. What do you live in a cave? Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, we yeah, I get it. Right, I don't like right. that line. I love, I love yeah, the a movie. Too, a little too. I don't like that line. Too on the oh, nose. Reference. Yeah, it's uh, it's right. It's available right now on HBO Max, and uh, this is a pretty good Batman movie. What? How dare you? Shut up! I'm, I'm already upset by your by your summary. This movie is easily a half hour too long. I, I quit. I quit the podcast, folks. I, I just I just quit Binge Boys. This no, come back. I'm starting. I'm starting my own. I'm starting my own podcast right now. Uh, it's called Binge Boy Singular, but that in parentheses okay. singular. Well, and then it's I'll be, be here just enjoying the all the all the Craig and Auto Parts money. Yeah, no, our... I'm just not having Travis include your audio anymore. This is just oh be my weird. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would never do such a thing. I mean, we obviously disagree, but uh, you 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 give your incorrect uh, opinion first. I thought the the parts of the movie were better than the sum. Were better than the whole. There was so much good stuff. Sorry, I thought you did that this, on purpose. This could have, uh, this could have really have been a great movie. This could have been like an amazing Batman movie, but I feel like it only rose to the level of very good. And maybe I'm cutting to like you know parsing the hairs here. It's very long, and I, I mean honestly, it feels in some ways like, and I'm not saying it should have been this or they should have changed it. Mm-hmm. I loved it, but. It does yeah. feel like there's enough here that you could have made this into an entire limited series. Like, I think, yeah. like there's more meat on this bone than a lot of like six episode Netflix shows. You know, like yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, how many serial killer shows are there? Where it's yeah, it's a limited series. This could have been Batman hunting a serial killer uh, for uh, right. Because I mean, because there, it's it's really. There's a few stories going on, and they they mm-hmm. all link up. I'm not saying it's like, it's not messy. It's actually very tightly scripted. But you could have just removed one whole 
chunk of it and the movie would still work. It's really piling a lot in there that, that it doesn't have to to give you a really broad sense of this world and how it moves and what, what the, you know, all the moving parts of Gotham and how the whole underworld is sort of organized. And uh-huh. it's interestingly, it's kind of similar in some ways to Tokyo Vice, which we watched before, where uh-huh. it's like, it's really digging into the details. Tokyo Vice grew on me just a tad, just a tad. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, as you dig in and as these worlds get more specific and more detailed and more lived in, and that's when it becomes really sort of, that's when it gets fascinating. And I think that's why I get it. When the, by the time the movie's over, it's long, it's a very dense experience. But I think by the time that, they, that you get to the end, uh, they have earned that length because you really do get, it's like reading a Batman novel. Like, you're getting a, you're getting a, a huge amount of, story and I mean a huge amount of interconnecting sort of ideas and themes and notions about Batman and it doesn't all work there I had I had my quibbles with it too the cinematography is it looks amazing. amazing the score the is score just is fantastic awesome. and I all love the performances the songs. Are great. I love the Nirvana song yeah the Nirvana stuff is used great I love this whole world this whole Gotham and and every shot every frame every sequence there's there's thought behind it there's cleverness to it it's thinking about not just Batman. I feel like we've seen so many movies where it's like Batman. You've got a hit that he's Batman and the iconic. He's got I mean, him against the the moon and uh, on the rainy right. building and the the cape and the swooping and the the you know the grappling hook and like we've all got these images of like every Batman movie has to have this and that iconic stuff is in here. But uh-huh. this feels like it's also got this extra layer of thinking about well he's just starting out. And it's like an earlier take on Batman. He doesn't quite understand what it means to be Batman. And we got that in Nolan's Batman Begins. But that was still more of like, I don't know, it's still more like an adventure movie. And yeah. this is really taking that to heart and making this sort of noir-y, moody I like thriller that. I with and that material. And I I, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I no, it's awesome. I, re- I like this movie a lot. There's no part of me that uh, really, th- that came close to disliking this movie. But I'm just frustrated because I think it could have been great. Um, I think the length hamstrung it a little can bit. I, can I give you my one big, uh, big criticism? Sure. I'm sorry. Wait, I thought. I thought. I thought we. Oh, I, I had a couple of things. Oh, that, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll just I'll just hit a, a couple more things that I think could could have really been massaged to make this film truly great. Uh, I thought Paul Dano's performance was extremely one note. I wish that because um, I was ex- I was so psyched because I like Paul Dano in many things from uh, his Brian Wilson Beach Boys movie to uh, There Will Be Blood. To, I'm a big Paul Dano fan. Um, but I felt like his screaming was too on this one note and it could have been a little more sinister. I wish he was directed. I don't know. Listen, I'm, he's a great actor and, and here's, uh, me and my freaking chair talking into, um, my zoom camera here, uh, criticizing it. But like, I felt like it could have been a little bit more just nuanced that performance and then finally the climactic scene was did not feel that climactic the thing where it's like oh it's going down at this political event at gotham square garden and everything that it was kind of like oh that happened it wasn't 
It didn't have the climactic feel because of he's just the, starting out. It's an early. It's, it's yeah, not, he's yeah. not he's not that sure. Batman yet. That's no, but saying. in a movie, in a movie, you want that to be the ramp up into the end, and it was just kind of like, oh, it was a little bit of a miss. No, it was, but the way where it was placed, where it was placed in the film, it was just a little bit of a misfire. It didn't have the 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 heft and the 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 chutzpah. It was sprinkled with some pretty interesting, progressive ideas about Mm -hmm. Batman and about justice and about law enforcement and about corruption and and who the police are really working for and serving and, and why it's sort of impossible for anyone other than Batman to kind of untangle Gotham's problems. And uh, I thought that was interesting for a little while. And then they kind of don't, really have any big follow through. They like introducing mm-hmm. those ideas, but then there's a scene where it's like, but here's all the good cops that are kind of come out to arrest the bad guy anyway. And, you know, Gordon's a cop. And so Batman's cool with the cops again by the end. And it's just like, well, so what? There was just kind of a, it's like a, a sort of a limp gesture of the direction of those ideas without follow through. I thought that that could have been, that could have been tighter. Uh, but that's, that's, yeah. really my, that's really my big issue. I, I freaking I freaking loved it. I thought it was great. I also, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a very funny, there's a moment that's like... I disagree with you about Paul Dana. I think you're wrong about Dana. Okay, I just, there's the the, the scene where Batman is interrogating him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was um, very one note, and he's a better actor than that scene showed us, I thought. I think you're a better podcaster than this scene shows us. What do you think oh, of that? What do you think Ron. about that? What do you think of that? Thank what are you going to do with that? Thank you for recognizing my potential. Uh, 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 two quick things, uh, and then we'll, we'll move on, because uh, this is this this yeah, podcast is going to be longer than the on. Batman. Yeah, um, I, I just want to say uh, th- there's a very funny moment where Batman essentially uh, slut shames Catwoman, but then deals with it. Like, I, I don't know. That was a little... That, I found that scene funny. Just, uh, it was a little on the nose. And then, do you know what scene I'm talking about? Uh, no, not really. Oh, where he's like, who'd you have to sleep with to get those, uh, to, oh, to get but, that but info? she calls him on it. Yeah, I just felt like it was a little heavy-handed. He's learning his, and, I, that, that, I don't know, like, I, 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 I read but, a bunch, but, I read a few criticisms of this stuff online, and it's yeah. like, I like like this online, that it's like, and, and I think a lot of it boils down to like, he's not very good at being, Batman yet? And it's like no, like that's what this is. Not very good at being a person. Is that's what this fa- right? That's what this is about. Is were killed. He's kind of this fucked up, weird little creep, and the whole movie is yeah. constantly drawing these connections. Like that's the point at the end. His realization at the end is, I am Riddler. It's not that I'm inspiring guys like the Riddler, which is usually how Batman right. movies go. You know, it's usually that's like the Dark Knight thing, like. You, you wear a mask. Need me. Now we wear a mask, and you you escalate. Yeah. Now we escalate. That's usually the Batman comic vibe. This right. one goes an interesting, different way, where it's like, no, you. He is the Riddler. He's spying on people with binoculars. Right. He's wearing these weird masks. He's he's using surveillance equipment. He's you know like he's skulking around. Like he's he's drawing these weird maps on his floor. Like yes. he's he's journaling. Like he's the Riddler. And I think that. That yeah, they do hit stuff like that in that scene. That he did jump to these wrong conclusions. He's not a very good detective yet. Like, 
I think all of that is is justified. He did some good detective. Well, he knows stuff. It's exactly like where you'd be, like if you were book smart but lack real world experience. Like he knows, like oh, that wound has the 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 thumb was cut off when they were still alive because of the way that that wound looked. The kind of thing you would learn from reading a medical book or from a forensic criminal forensics book. But he doesn't know. You know, there, there's a bunch of different reasons that this woman could be connected to this man other than she's sleeping with him. He's not street smart to think of stuff like that and or sure. know how to carry himself or to know how to play an informant. And I think that, that's what the movie's about. That's what it's so interesting about. I, I just thought the scene was just like a little bit like, it, it played a little like rote and on the nose to me, yeah. uh, but I like I, I but I, I don't dislike the sentiment. One one last thing and then we're moving on. Uh, can we all agree? And this is more to the uh, the leaked or the released uh, scene that wasn't in the movie. Can we all agree that Barry Kagan's uh, joke are not good? No, I don't agree with that at all. I I I think it was the right. I think it was the I think it was the right decision to remove that long scene yes. from the movie. Yes. I, I think that would have interrupted the flow of the scene and I don't I don't think it would have flowed well. The Barry well. Keoghan, the Barry Keegan Keoghan Joker. Keegan. I love I love him in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I love him. Not good as the Joker. I disagree. Uh, but I think this All last right, scene moving on. I think Lon this is last incorrect scene on that Joker. Uh, Lon is incorrect on the uh, on the on his take there. I think it works very well and I like I saw some other people on the internet had an issue with this too. I like that the movie didn't feel the need to explain to us like what ha- like how did Bat- what did the Joker do? How did Batman catch? Oh the no, Joker? I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that at all. And I like that the movie didn't explain how did the how did Gordon and Batman like what's the basis of their relationship? How did I they didn't start mind that at together? all either. I like that it, it kind of left these pockets unexplored. I, I, I'm glad it didn't because that would have made that three hour movie like three hours and fifteen minutes. What are you hey, doing here, Uwe? Come on, you turkey. Watch it, sweetheart. Batman is available on HBO Max. Uh, also on HBO Max, a delightful new show. We're in a golden age, I guess, of Julia Child content. And <laughs> Julia. That's my Julia Child impression. I don't say uh, anything. I just go. <laughs> I mean, very evocative of her. <laughs> Uh, there's a Julia documentary out now. And then Julia is the show we watch, the episodic uh, journey of her uh, rise to TV stardom. It's available on HBO Max. And man, this show, it's really in a world of like dark and like like upsetting content. This is a little bit of an antidote to those kind of things. This show, it's it's joyous and it's fun and it's not like it's it doesn't feel and I and I don't want to sound like a, a cretin or something, but it doesn't feel too PBS. It doesn't feel um too like oh fancy food show. Like this character Julia Child, um, played by uh, uh, British actress Sarah Lancashire, she is fantastic, and and she brings like the Julia impression you would want to see, like like the Julia Child we all might be aware of, but. Like her performance is nuanced. Like you see her disappointments and you see her excitement and very fun to watch. And the whole cast is very good. And the show, I've just found it like a real bright spot and fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I I uh, I liked it too. Uh, my my as a kid, I never my my mom never watched Julia Child. My dad, it was never on in our house. I didn't know who that was. My 
Uh, a lot of my impression of her was formed from Kathleen Freeman in Gremlins 2, where she's playing Microwave Marge as kind of a, oh, a parody okay. of Julia Child. <laughs> sure. Like, and then Dan Aykroyd. I was just going to say, like, I yeah. almost knew, and it sort of speaks to the themes of this movie in some way. Like, I only knew Julia Child growing up from parodies of Julia Child, not from the, the lady herself. It wasn't until later in life that I ever even saw really clips of Julia Child's actual the French chef show, mm-hmm. it was just people making fun of her. And I think that's what, that's where I think, this show really does two things well, I think. One is that it's a very, it's a very relatable and sensitive portrayal of what it would be like to be, uh, you know, like this, an, an older woman who feels like the world isn't isn't interested in what she has to say anymore. And there's a lot of shows that are kind of about that from a from a woman's perspective of feeling not heard, not seen, not appreciated, like you don't have a voice. And I think, the, you know, like I always think like Peggy Olsen from Mad Men is like a really great sympathetic human portrayal of that. And I think this is one too. And they do a really good job of sort of capturing how she's feels so invisible and is made to feel so invisible and then like recaptures people's attention through just sheer will really and like determination uh absolutely the the other thing it does really well is it's it's great competence porn which is like it's like Mm. a group of smart people being given a weird unconventional task in this case uh create a cooking tv show and figure out what that would be and then like it's just nuts and bolts like here's all the problems you'd have to figure out and here's all the limitations like well it would be expensive to have to build a kitchen in a TV studio that works. And like, well, you'd have to figure out the timing because you're preparing it, but then it has to be done. And like, how, who's who's helping you? And like, where are you getting your, like, and it, it, it's thought about all that stuff. And I, I really appreciated that aspect. I like that as well. And in addition to that, the food is beautifully shot. Like I challenge you to watch this show and not want to get wine drunk. And, like, get yourself a nice meal afterwards. It's really nicely done. You would you would almost think it would be better to make a show about a chef who cooked more easily to, like, Grubhub food. Like, it's hard. You, it's hard to get a Coca van delivered in Los Angeles right now, I would imagine. True. <laughs> I mean, I'll um, look it up later. Like, we'll see how, how available a bouffe bouillon is to my location. You did nail something that I really like about it. Like seeing this woman um, of a certain age rise to prominence in like this, the early 1960s. Uh, She was already an established cookbook author, um, but this was, this is the birth of her TV show. And it is a boys network, even a PBS that you think might be a little more progressive, but it's her. And it also um, highlights, there's uh, the actress, uh, Brittany Bradford plays uh, one of her producers, who's a woman of color, like trying to make it in this world. I looked this up. Uh, This is a made up character. Like I, oh, I, I really? was like, wow, that's really interesting that Julia Child's first that's, producer was this young black lady, and it was not. It was not. But they added they added that for the show. But okay, gotcha. We'll well, then uh, you know what? Way to manipulate me, Julia. <laughs> uh, but it's David it Hyde Pierce. It works nonetheless. Real guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Her her husband, who Paul, becomes Paul a, an artist of renown, Paul Child. Um, and we have a mini Frasier reunion here with David Hyde Pierce and Bebe Newworth. Bebe Newworth plays one of her best friends. And it's delightful. I kept waiting for Jane Leaves to show her face, but it doesn't matter. Yes. Perry Gilpin. Get them Perry in on Gilpin, this. Perry Gilpin or what about Roz? Just a, That's Perry a Gilpin. Perry oh, no. Gilpin, who's please? the... 
plays Wait, Roz. No, Jane no. leaves is Daphne and Perry Gilpin is Roz. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Come on, man! Get your Fraser cast straight. What's the dog's name? Eddie. Eddie was the dog. I, I would have loved a walk on from Eddie. Gotta be gotta be dead by now then. <laughs> um, but it, everybody, highly recommend you, you watch Julia. It's it's a Fun, light, uh, enjoyable romp. Moose, Moose was the name of the dog who played the Jack Russell Terrier Eddie Crane on Frasier. Uh, Moose lo- left us in 2006. R.I.P. Moose. R.I.P. Moose. Thank you for your service. Check out Julia on HBO Max. Absolutely worth it, folks. Th- we've we've taken up more than enough of your time. Good, too much, honestly. Hoot hoot, Owl Nation. Where my gahooligans at? Thank you to Starburns Audio. Producer Travis, Travis Reeves, thanks for Boy. producing I wonder, this do you show. Think, do you think Travis, when he sees it's a 90-minute episode, do you think he's like, he's, he's fucking... Yeah, maybe he's like, all right, I'll do this in two parts, because I know Travis wants to watch basketball uh, and everything. So do I. There's a, I, I got to catch the end of this Celtics-Nets uh, uh, game. Yeah. These Jew bastards, he says. No, I would. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, Travis I don't think doesn't. Travis is an. I don't think semi. Travis says anything anti-Semitic. <laughs> uh, that that that's that's just absolutely libelous. I didn't mean that. Uh, speaking of Jews, Jason K. Thank you for our opening theme song. Ah, very nice. Yes, another yeah. member of the tribe. Yeah, thank you. I could tell. I could tell. Juan, what would you like to say to the folks out there? Oh, folks, uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at L-O-N-S. That is the best place to do that. And uh, that's that's it. That's fine. That's good. And you can follow me at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. Stop on by. We'll have a time. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye now. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch boys, bitch in the fuck out of shit.